Hello and welcome to Just One Cornetto, a Greenock Morton podcast. You can reach us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram at The Morton Forum. All of our panellists appear in a personal capacity and as such, any views expressed are personal to them. Thanks for listening and we hope you enjoy the show. Titan's Bife Rum is inspired by Clydeside heritage and Inverclyde's incredible scenery. Their carefully selected aged rums are infused with Scottish raspberries, golden syrup and exotic spices. Titan's Bife Rum is blended using the finest Caledonian water whilst retaining its spiritual Caribbean DNA. The Morton Club edition is available now and make sure you check out the new Titan Orange Rum. Titan Spiced. Rum. Reggae. Retro. Head over to TitanSpiritsLTD.com and order your bottle today. Welcome to another episode of the Just One Cornetto podcast. Morton secured the passage into the fourth round of the Scottish Cup with a 4-1 victory over Queen of the South. A double from Robbie Muirhead, a Grant Gillespie penalty and a fantastic solo effort from Alex King securing the tie. Johnny Meat analysed the game. We have Stephen McElhaney. How are you? I'm good, Dean. How are you? Ah, very well. We were just talking over. Obviously, Morton just released footage of, of King's goal just before we come on there. So, it's... Yeah, we'll just get right to that one before we do anything else. What a goal. Oh, a fa- fantastic goal. Um... I've been desperate to see him in the middle of the park. I mean, he picked up the ball in the middle of the park for that goal and it showed he's just he's got a lot about him. Holds holds men off, kinda bit of skill, fast footwork as well. Just aye, good 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 to have fresh legs like that to come on against tired legs. It was a good sub. Definitely. I think we'll we'll obviously talk about its its importance in the match a little later on. So alright, one change in the start of eleven for this week. Obviously Captain Captain Grant Gillespie's come back in after his suspension and McGrath has dropped to the bench. What were your thoughts on that? Um Gillespie had to come back in. Gillespie's been one of our best players this season, so I definitely agreed with him coming back in. Um and it would be a toss up for me. Um you've got kinda of that starting eleven, you've got ten of them that I would say are guaranteed at the moment, and then the other one is between Cabia and McGratton. Yep. Um, and Cabia scored last week. Had a but McGratton never did anything wrong last week, but Cabia had a better game than him last week, so he's kept his place, and it's been very unlucky on McGratton actually to probably come come out, but. It's, it's, it was right to bring uh, Gillespie back in. was good to see Crawford a wee bit further forward again, even though he was fantastic last week. You and I were talking about that at the game last week, how good Crawford was at yeah. like, kind of more a number six than a number eight. And at that, I didn't really realise he could actually play that, that position as well, to be honest. But uh, aye, he was really good. So it was good to see him further forward. Though, so I, I like what he adds there. But aye, I, I couldn't. I couldn't argue with the, the, the team, to be honest. As I said, I wouldn't argue if it was Cabia that came out and McGrath and stayed in. Uh, I could see the merits of, of both, but I kind of understand a bit more why Cabia stayed in. Yeah, no, I think that's spot on. The the fact that, just as you said, Cabia obviously got the goal last week, I think probably impacted the game more, especially in the first half last week. Um, sorry, second half, not first half. But yeah, Cabia did well last week. Yeah, I think McGrath was obviously unfortunate to drop to the bench, but we'll probably go on and talk about it. But, I think McGrattan had a, an excellent impact when he came off the bench yesterday. So whether that puts him in contention for a start again next week, we'll, we'll obviously get on to. So what did you make of the first half overall? Uh, I thought I thought we played well in the first half. Um, nothing great, but like, I thought we played all, all right. Uh, I just thought that Queen of the South played 
fairly decent as well in the first half. For a, a draw at half time was probably fair, but I, it was one of them weird ones that you run one each at half time against a lower league opposition. You could be, oh, we're not playing good enough. This isn't good enough, Morton. You could, you could be negative if if you were that way inclined. But I was like, well, I, I kind of seen. Nah, we've got our forty five minutes here. Everything will be fine. Uh, confidence that we were that what happened in the second half was going to happen. Uh, but I, I, first half again, it's similar to what I said about McGratton last week. I think we've done anything great, but we didn't really do anything wrong, if that makes sense. We've kind of negated yeah. each other a wee bit, probably, is the way I would sum it up. Yeah, I think it was two sides almost trying to suss each other out. There was, I think, the first maybe 10 minutes or so, we probably were the better side. It then kind of evened itself out. I think Queen of the South had, Queen of the South caused us a few problems in midfield that... Gillespie ended up kind of sorting himself in the second half. But yeah, I think Queen of the South, they certainly caused us a few issues without creating a great deal up front. I think probably the story of their match was they had quite a lot of the ball, kind of quite a lot of promising possession, quite a lot of territory, but they really lacked that that real cutting edge up front. And I think that ultimately kind of was the difference between the two. I think Queen of the South played okay. Um, Caused us a few problems. They obviously, they, they got their goal the timing of the goal from their point of view probably works out quite well. And yeah, I think the first half was quite an even contest. Maybe not the not the best football that we've seen under Emery, certainly not in this run. But I don't think there was a sense of panic. I think there was, there was no point yesterday where you thought we're going to lose this. No, I don't, I don't, I don't think there was. And I think the, the first half, it was a bit of a cup tie feeling, mm. as daft yeah. as that sounds. It, it, it did feel like a Scottish Cup game. They were putting in some heavy titles that were, oh, that's got to be a yellow and like, they were up for it. They were a very much a team. Of, oh, we should be playing at that level, and let's show them that we should. And yep. Morton were Morton went rising to it, which was good. We didn't come flying into titles we shouldn't have the way that they did. Um, Morton were very much kind of mature performance of let's keep it settled here, kind of play the football type thing, um, mm. which was refreshing. And then, as as I said, that when we did kind of get the ball down, play a bit of football, we, we did well. But first, I think I think both of us had one cleared off the line. I, I might be wrong, but I think we did and we and they did. So there was chances. Wasn't as if it was a, a terrible game. Um, just wasn't as good as the second half. Yeah, and that was yeah. I think the first half as a as a spectacle, absolutely no problem. It was. It was just. It was one of those games where there were two teams both both willing to defend properly, both willing to get men forward. I think the. Was it the, the left-hand side that Queen of the South had a couple of opportunities where they've worked the ball down to, to our left and they've kind of, yeah, they, they caused us a few issues, but again, there was no time, there was no point in that game, especially in the first half where you thought, oh no, we're going to get beat. It was just a case of, yeah, we maybe need to up it a wee bit, but yeah, I think it's the first half. I think Muirhead did very, very well. Um, I kind of want to speak about him in, in more detail kind of when we talk about the second half anyway, but I thought Muirhead against two big physical centre-backs did very, very well yesterday, and obviously the two goals were he's just rewarded for. Yeah, he, he did, he competed very well, and I've always liked Robbie Muirhead, and I know that there was times where he, he, he split opinion amongst the supporters, but the whole a lot of football fans are like, oh, he's not trying that type. Of, he, he, he's that kind of player because he can come in and out of games. But that's his that's his game, uh, or, or was his game up until recently? Whereas in recent months, the manager's been like, no, you're a number nine. This is where I'm playing you, and I think that's definitely been a benefit of the way the manager's been and the confidence in him. Because for mm. years at Morton, he gets shafted about. It was ridiculous. David Hopkins played him at 
left wing back one game. He would be right mid. He would be left mid. Um, play kind of in front of a midfield centre mid. So he played up front. Like he was pretty much a oh we could fit him in somewhere when yeah. all of the guys are striker play him up front, which is what this manager's been like. Right, okay, if you're a striker, I'll play up front, and I think that's why we're getting the reward out of it. I think the manager definitely is working with him, seeing that right if this is your strong point, let's do this, and ah, it's definitely working. Yeah, I think it's. I think like you said before, there was that. There was that view of him where oh, he's not trying. I don't think it was quite as simple as that. I think the work rate wasn't the issue as much as it was. It was just, he was a player that did drift in and out of games, and especially if you're playing a player like that in a wide area, that is going to happen. But I think we've both seen. Yeah, it's it's got to be credit to Emery for sticking with him, persisting with him as a number nine. Obviously, we kind of started the season with him on the right hand side. And he was, he, I think he struggled again, not having a full pre-season probably didn't help him either, but there were times where he'd be on the right-hand side in the first maybe six, seven games of the season, we didn't see a great out, a great deal out of him. Since he's moved to the number nine, it's not just a case of he's getting more goals, but it's all, it's all he's now a consistent threat throughout the 90 minutes, which it's probably the first time since where he'd been here that we could say that about him, where... Over the course of a 90 minutes, he's contributing to pretty much everything we're doing, which has to be a massive credit to him. Aye, I agree. He's he's definitely one of our, our better players this season. And to me, he's, he's the type of player that definitely benefits from the more, the more involved in the game he is, the better. Um, and, I, and I think that, that central position, is, I think he's, he's doing perfectly fine. And if we were to go on and say, sign another striker or, or something like that, if there was to be money available and strengthened to, to go for our title push, then it would be a striker that was that was on the bench to try and replace him because he's been doing doing the job perfectly fine. Yeah, I think it's it's certainly still a position that I would want to strengthen in January, but the kind of concern that we had, we spoke about it on the podcast a good few times, was where are the goals going to come from? And you look at your head, that's his goal return this year has been been absolutely fantastic and we're, we're only in November. If he can keep that up over the course of the season, then I think we would actually be, be struggling to keep him here for next season. Yeah, that's a good a good point. So maybe I should calm it down a wee bit. <laughs> so tell you what, um, very early sub in the second half. Obviously, McGrattan coming on for Caviar. Fifty one minutes it was, and again it was almost a mirror of the last home game where I think the the exact opposite sub was made at that sort of time in the game. Do you think that was deliberate from from Emery, or is it has has it just been the way the games panned out? I I, I think it's I, I don't know if it's deliberate, but. As I said the start there about how we, from that starting 11, there was 10 that I think everybody would have said would be starting. And then there was two that was fighting for one position. And it's no surprise that them two tend to be one comes on early um, each each game. And it is because that's the kind of, they're the two on the borderline of playing. So if, mm-hmm. one's, if one's not excelling, then it's it's a it's a very easy and very good sub for the manager to make. And that right with well, the one that's playing and isn't he, isn't he doing great, well, bring on the other one because he might. Yeah. Um, and it is as, as, as pretty much as, as simple as that. And Mike McGrattan offers a versatility as well that that Cavia, uh, can he's I think Cavia is your Davy Hopkin classic that plays along the front three. But yeah. McGrattan can play that way. But also I think the versatility because he can sit into the midfield and do a different job that that Cavia doesn't do, which he did at times later on in the game. Uh, after after we made subs when who went off for King was it Blues? Blues went off for King and yeah. McGrattan yeah. went more central. So. It, it maybe allows a bit more flexibility in a second half when the other teams make tend to be making more subs. You probably want to be a bit more flexible than, or, yeah. or, or at your most flexible is probably the way to say it. So maybe that's a, a bit to do with it as well. But I good good sub. I thought he, he played well when he came on. Definitely. Yeah, I think the Grattan coming on was really what changed the game. I think we were 
Overall, we were we were playing well. I think we we weren't quite at the level that we've become accustomed to with this Morton side. I think McGrattan coming on certainly changed that. I think we looked a lot dangerous, a lot more dangerous, and we started creating a lot more when when McGrattan came on. And I think he's definitely played his way into a start my growth in my book anyway. But yeah, I think the second half again managed the game very well. We hadn't created a great deal. I think the, the kind of start of the second half was quite flat. Um, it's probably the period in the game where Queen of the South will feel most disappointed. I think from their point of view, when the game had kind of settled, neither team were really landing any punches on the other one. If Queen of the South had managed to turn kind of their, their possession of their territory into a goal at that point, it obviously changes the tie completely. But again, there there was a, a confidence to this Morton side. And yeah, there was still at no point did you think we were going to lose the tie. It was very, I think probably quite a, quite a confident and quite an assured performance, even... In the second half, when it had gone that little bit flat, I think Gillespie Gillespie dropped deeper in the second half. I kind of wanted us to push the back two up a little bit more because I thought there was too much of a gap between the centre-backs and the centre-mids, especially when Queen of the South were coming forward. You kind of seen it the first half where they'd kind of get the ball long, work it back into midfield, and then all of a sudden they were carving his open. Um, Gillespie kind of dropped maybe five, seven, ten yards deeper, and it seemed to it seemed to quell that. So again, it's cred Demney for spotting that and getting it sorted. But you then look, McGrattan's come off the bench. We've sorted the issue in midfield. It's an absolute world day of a free kick from your head for the second goal, and really after that there was no looking back. I I think particularly what you're saying about Gillespie, and I, I'll be honest when we signed Gillespie, I was like, mm, I don't I don't know. I think maybe I would have kept Wilson, and it was humming and hawing, and then as soon as I seen him play for us, I was like, wow, what a player this guy is. He's a he's a good player. There's a reason he played for Hamilton in the top flight for a, a number of years. Um, played for a very ambitious Queens Park team, or well, was in the squad. I don't think he played as much at Queens Park, but when, when we signed him, he then from then on, he's just been getting better and better, and he's he's reading of the game. Um, in, in game of knowing when to sit in and knowing when to push I think he moves his position fantastic I think he's a really really good centre midfielder um, and it's interesting because last season we had Wilson who was playing for them yesterday who I thought was a really really good centre midfielder um, but he was a really really good centre midfielder for a team down the bottom of the championship and Gillespie's a really really good centre midfielder for a team that actually we're going to get the playoffs here if we keep going the way we're going if not better but that's to me the difference in what the manager managed to do over the summer is he turned a team that could survive into a team actually that he had a bit of confidence that could go and beat teams when I think Gillespie's the perfect example of that and the way as you said about the, the game kind of changing the, the, the goals and stuff Robbie Muirhead see when he scored the free kick I, I, I was the same as you I just I thought we were going to win but it was that thing that this team have been able to do in the last six, seven weeks or whatever is pull a goal out of nowhere. Like literally, mm-hmm. what was that, 25-yard free kick or something? Yeah. Be a bit slightly further out, but he's just known he was, he was hitting it, scores. And then as soon as it goes to 2-1, it was like never in doubt to me that that was it. We, we were we were going through. Uh, the penalty was a funny one as well because I was totally conflicted. I wanted Robbie Muirhead to score a hat-trick. We've not scored a Scottish Cup hat-trick since... Annan, which was I don't know if I got my dates right here. Stefan McCluskey scored a hat trick against Annan. Yes. You you might be better with dates, but I think that was 2016. Yes, it was. It was, it was yeah. 2015, oh. 2016 season. So so like six and a half, more than six and a half years, nearly seven years ago since we scored the Scottish Cup hat trick. So I would have been very happy with a Scottish Cup hat trick. However, I'm also about like, well, if we've got a penalty taker, then he hits the penalties. Sentiment means nothing, particularly when the game's only 2-1. If we were running 5-1, then maybe I'd have been like, I let the guy hit it for his hat trick. So I was like a wee bit conflicted because I wanted Muirhead to hit it, but I totally understood why 
Gillespie had it, which was another another good penalty for him. He does, he does straight a good penalty. And then I'll let you discuss the fourth goal more if you want, because that was fantastic. <laughs> no, I think you're I think you're spot on. And I think especially with that, with the penalty, it has to be Gillespie. And it is, it's you can you do feel sorry from your head. If the game had been three one, I'd maybe yeah, if it's three one, you maybe let him hit it. But two one, Gillespie's on the park, Gillespie's for all his He's had a penalty saved and finished the rebound. I wouldn't say he's certainly not had a bad penalty while he's been here. So, no, I think you do have to be hard-headed about it. Um, But yeah, the the fourth goal, obviously, Kings came on. King offers something very, very different in midfield compared to what Blues offers. You know, he's he's more direct. That He's very, very good at just running at players and making things happen. And again, he's, he's a strong guy, you know, six foot two. You look at the amount of times that when he came on into midfield, he really puts himself about. Mm-hmm. Um, he's not someone that, he's not someone that can older, more experienced players are going to be able to bully and kind of use their experience again. He's a big boy. He's he's very, very good at staying on his feet. And we counted it there four, four players he goes past. I think it's four, aye, that he goes past. And as you said, for a, for a, a guy his size, his, his footwork's fantastic. Uh, yeah. I, I do always get annoyed with the whole, oh, he's a big man, whatever, and, and people get surprised. And, and the kind of cliche what I've just done there, I do, I, my own statement does annoy me, right? But could get away without the footwork if you're a, if you're a big, strong midfielder. But when you've got both of them, to me, that's, that's setting him up for a, a good good career. I, ju- I just what I hope about Alexander King, and I, I don't think he should be playing at the moment, uh, starting, because I don't I don't have somebody in the starting level like Lewis Strap, for example, or Blues, or whoever it may There's nobody in the starting level that say, actually, he deserves a game over them, because everybody no. else is playing that well, right? But there is going to come a time again where Blues or Crawford or Strap, whatever position it may be, that goes off the boil and we go, right, it's time for King to get his shot again, right? So his time will yeah. come and he'll get his shot again. And what I just hope when he gets his shot again is that we, we maybe start to see a, this is his position because I've always kind of been a wee bit, I just still don't know where I think his best position is. I, I think it might be centre midfield and he's just yeah. not he's not been able to get a run in centre midfield because we've played so well or, or our midfielders have played so well. And that's maybe why... He was getting a game at left back and he's came on at left mid and or left wing and things like that. And I, I, I get that. But hopefully whenever it is that he next gets in the team, I'd like to see him getting a run of games in a specific position, if that makes sense, to kind of see him a bit more. Yeah, I think at the moment he's definitely the... the for, for me anyway, I think he's the fourth choice central midfielder. Um, maybe not. I, I was quite glad that we didn't put him into the holding role last week when, when Gillespie was missed out. I don't think that's the best position to either help his development or what we'll get from him at the moment I think if there is someone that we need to step in for Blues or for Crawford in the positions and the role that they play in this midfield then I think King's probably the, the guy that I would look to for it um, I think yeah from what I've seen I, I can see why especially when you see obviously he's, he's got a cracking left foot you then look he's quite good at going by a man I can understand why there is a temptation to play him wide but I'm the same as you I think centre mid is, is definitely his best position and yeah if someone does go off the boil or Obviously, we don't want an injury or a suspension or anything like that. But if, for whatever reason, either Blues or, or Crawford has to step out of the team, then I think King's definitely next in line for a run in that position. I, I, I agree. And what I also find interesting about King, right, and maybe Strap might be the answer to my question, but when was the last time we had a guy that's just turned 18 that was so ready for our first team? Because he could, as, as we said, whenever we get a injury in midfield or whatever, neither me or you are doubting whether or not he's going to come in and do do well. 
I don't yeah. remember last time we've we've had some good players come through like McGratton, right? As as we were saying earlier, McGratton is a very very good asset in the squad at the moment. Really liking everything he does, but at eighteen he wasn't. He? At eighteen he was he was not playing the way he was playing now. If that makes sense, I I, I feel that King's a bit fast tracked from what we've we've had before, and, and rightly so because he's playing he's playing so well. So I think maybe since Strap, and I think with Strap maybe what 21, 22 now. So you're talking maybe three four years since we've had an eighteen year old that came through of of that quality. If that if yeah. that makes sense, that the the other ones that have come through have had a couple of loan spells or or, or whatever. Um, Reese Lyon came through at a similar age, but I mean that was four years ago, I think, wasn't it? Yeah, it was when JJ was a manager. So I it was like four years ago. Strap was probably about a similar time, I think. Um, I think Strap when Strap was even out on loan too as well, didn't he? He was out on loan, yeah. Aye, so Reese Lyon's probably the answer then. So four years, so. Hopefully it's not another four years before we have another one come through, but um, I am I'm, I'm confident that whether it be centre mid as, as I think or whether or not I talk nonsense and he, he's actually a left back and the manager thinks he's a left back and he <laughs> thinks he's a left back or, or whatever may be the answer, then I am confident that whenever he comes back in for a run in the team, he's going to be absolutely fine. No, and I think it's it's another thing that we have to credit Emery with is I think Emery has used them very, very well this year. Mm-hmm. It's not been a case of, right, you start every game and, you know, you just get out there and you kind of sink or swim. I think he's got, I think he's he's had more than enough time on the park. And once we figured out that the kind of left back wasn't, wasn't quite fitting, I think he, he had a few good games there. But once we figured out his performances did start to dip just that little bit. I think Emery pulled him out at the right time. I think that spell on the bench again. Just there's a, one of the one of the tricks is when you're developing a young player, it's knowing when to put them in the team. But I think equally equally important is knowing when to take them out of the team, especially when it's going to be for their own good. Which I think Emery's got spot on this year. Um, obviously, straps come in. It's then made. It's then meant that we can get him into midfield if that's where he is more comfortable. And again, yeah, it's, if that's going to be his position, then I've got absolutely no issues with. We're throwing him in there when when his time comes, and I think he will take the chance. I know, I, I agree. When you mentioned Strap coming in there, something I was going to say earlier, what I've liked, and I don't know the number of games, how many games have I played since Effie Ambrose has come in? Six now, maybe, or something? Five, six? Five, five games, I think, maybe. Uh, that back four is so settled now already. Um, yeah. And only five games or whatever it is, because Grimshaw's... I'd, I'd be very surprised if we managed to to keep him on, but I'd be delightfully surprised because I, I think he's a, a, a really good player. Um, but yeah. it wouldn't surprise me if he, he went to a bigger club than us. Straps, back playing very well. Effie Ambrose has come in and been exactly what I thought he was going to be. The odd moment that you're like, oh my God, what's he doing? Um, but in general, absolutely strolling it at, at this level, which is what I expected from him. Um, and Jack Baird's been... Since the last, I don't know, last two months, whatever, Jack Bear's been absolutely fantastic. Um, which is is testament to how good they're playing. I think Alan Lifkoe is actually one of our better defenders. In that, if I was to pick our eleven best players, he would be in it, but not in our best. We're back four, if that makes sense. I would be shoehorning people about probably to pick the yeah, eleven I players that I think are the best players. He'd be one of the eleven, but I'm like, well, if I'm playing a back four, he's not better than them two at the moment so that just shows you how good that they're playing that I'm like well he shouldn't be in at the moment because they two should but that's the, the luxury the man just got as well at some point he might he done it last season a lot more with kind of flicking between the back four and the back three or back five depending on what we look at it like there might be games where he goes do you know what I'm putting Lifko in between the two of them 
and I'm playing a back five or a back three, that might be the way he goes at some point in, later in the season. But obviously at the moment, he's been like absolutely no need, reason to change my back four, which is good. Yeah, I think it is. That back four is very well gelled. And you look, you obviously need to include the goalkeeper in that. If you look at the whole, the whole defensive unit, then we do look very, very settled. And yeah, I think to think that there's players like O'Connor, who I think settled well before he obviously before he was injured. I think he had maybe a shaky start. There was a few games, a couple of kind of relapses defensively, and I think there was a few times where his his use of the ball was quite reckless. But he had managed to get himself past that and was playing well before his injury. We we know the quality Lithgow has. Whether the obviously the, the kind of big question mark now is how much is left in his legs, and especially with this kind of playing style, I think now that now that Ambrose is in. I'd be tempted to to maybe see if we can get Lithgow off the books in January. Um, nothing nothing to do with his ability. More a case of we've got that strength and depth at centre back now, and it's a wage that we could use elsewhere in the squad to to kind of shore up the numbers and maybe add that little bit of quality. I I, I understand the logic, but I, I still think that he's got a part to play this season for us. I do think at some point we will play a back three, and he'll be in the middle of it. And for a back three of him and whoever's on each side, Baird on one side and Ambrose on the other, um, would be I think would be absolutely solid at this level. And I think there will be a time where that 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 is what to do. And I'd be more comfortable with that three than any other three of the defenders we've got. Not, not that I wouldn't, not that I'd be uncomfortable with three of others. Because as I said, I think we used you for got it right there. Um, we've got options. But Pinyate was never done anything really wrong either. Do you know what I mean? He's, he's always been solid enough when he's played. He would be able to play in a back three. A corner, as you said, would be able to play in a back three. Grimshaw could play in a back three, and somebody else could be at the the right wing back. Like th- there are options there, but that would be the three most solid. So I could see that happening at some point this season. Um, but I do see the. Logic and I don't know what would happen in January in terms of moving people. We've obviously got players out on loan. Reese Lyon, he might end up coming back in. Do you know what I mean? That might be something that yep. happens, and then that's another body in midfield. And then are you trying to move somebody else for somewhere else? Um, it's all football management seems to be square pegs and round holes. And I'm a manager is a hell of a lot more qualified than I'm at it because it does, it gives me a headache thinking about it. So I'm sure it's all on hand. Yeah. And I think when you look at Emery's recruitment records, yeah. Absolutely. Fantastic. Fantastic. Um, His recruitment record for us is is really, in percentage terms, unbelievable for a a manager. He's he's experienced. I mean, last season, the players he he brought in, he brought in Wilson, as I was mentioning earlier on, he he was a big difference for us last season. Jamie Brandon was fantastic. Like really, he he was that good for us last season that he got a move from Hearts to another Premier League team that I don't think he would have got if he hadn't had the loan spell at Morton. I think we the spell at us got him uh, a a a deal at Livingston, and and I I think that's maybe even something the manager said to him: "Come here, play well, and you might get a." Back to the Premier League. That, that's a that's the that's a selling point of coming to us. No, no, nobody playing the Premier League goes. I want to go to Morton because I've always wanted to play for them. Nobody in the Premier League is doing that. They're coming to Morton to try and get back up to the Premier League if they're leaving it. So that would be the selling point for the likes of Brandon last season. And then as we, I mentioned earlier on, likes of Gillespie this season. What a signing he's been. Crawford was another signing at the time. Just kind of came out of nowhere. It was one of them ones. I don't pay too much attention to who's free agents and who's available, and I know a lot of people do. Like, oh, why don't we try and get this guy? He's available, and like the way Hamilton fans were with Ambrose before we signed him. Like, I, I don't. I watch Morton. I watch Morton every single week. I go to every Morton game, and I watch his. And I've said on here before. I remember really, really good players against us because they're really, really good players, and I remember really, really bad players against us, and see all the middle 
of the road players, you'll say to me, I you remember him when they played for this team? And I'm like, nah, don't know if I remember him. Uh, <laughs> and I find a lot of the free agents tend to end up with that in my head. And then yeah. come to us and I'm like, I think you remember him. I, he maybe played all right against us. And then they turn out to be an absolutely fantastic signing. Um, it really does show the manager's recruitment has been aye, fan, fan, fantastic, really has. Yeah, because I think if we are going to look at his recruitment last year, the main issue when Emery came in wasn't the back five as such, it was the space in front of the back five. You think of the goal down at Coma, I think that would be the, the first goal that mm-hmm. and, and, and Emery's first came in charge. Um, that comes from the edge of the box. I think there, there was a good few goals that we conceded and a good few chances that we conceded on the edge of the box. All of a sudden, he brings Wilson in, a player that, we yeah, we, we kind of knew about. Um, he came in I thought once he found his feet in this team he was excellent and was really disappointed to lose him in the summer the only thing that's obviously obviously got us over that quite quickly was how good Gillespie's been and we'd actually we'd, we'd a kind of brief chat about it in the in the group chat yesterday before the game but I think Gillespie offers more in that position than Wilson does if there was an opportunity to bring Wilson back into this squad to give his depth I certainly wouldn't be against it but you look yeah Wilson and Brandon that was the two weaknesses in the squad it's not it's one thing to identify those weaknesses it's then going the talent and going and finding those players and selling them on Morton to get them in the door get them fitting in with the team that is a a real talent and you've got to credit Emery for that you then look yeah Grimshaw coming in and I think that is the selling point to maybe guys like Grimshaw Crawford who should be playing at a higher level if you can say to them, listen, come in, we play a nice style of football that you're going to fit in well with. Here's how you fit into this style of football. Come and put yourself in the short window for six months or a season. Go and get your big move. You move on with everyone's best wishes. That's a very, very good offer to make players. And I think we, under Emery, I think we are a far more attractive. You look heading into this January transfer window, we are a far better sale than we were this time last season. Aye, de- definitely. And here's one for you. I've just I've googled it, right? So don't you Google it. The question is for you. How many of the starting eleven and Doogie Emery's first game in charge away to Kilmarnock do you think started yesterday? Just off the top of your head, don't put too much scientific thought into it. Strap, strap, blues, strap, blues, muted. Like the answer's that? the answer's none. The all, wow. all all three that you said actually came on as a sub, right? Mm-hmm. But the starting 11 that night was Jack Hamilton in goal, right, who we would all kept, right, but he was going back mm-hmm. to the Premier League similar to he'd been sold a dream by the previous manager, the same as what we're saying, that Dougie's selling dreams to people. Yeah. Hines, Hines, Ledger, Lifko, McLean, Russell, Oliver, Jacobs, Lyon, Ugwu and Riley. Wow. Man for man across the pitch, none of them positions other than Hamilton, right? And I don't even know, I don't even think that the, the current goalkeeper is a step down, right? But other, I don't think he is. I don't think he is a step down, right? But other than that, that's the only one I would let you argue, right? That's the only one. Every other position, I would not let you argue that anybody in yesterday starting 11 was a step down. No, I think the only it one shows in that... you how much he's changed that team. Yeah. Um, to, to I think Riley's, Riley's probably the only one that would get into this squad now. Aye, but, but on current form, we wouldn't have got a game over Muirhead. Do you no, know what I mean? It's, on it's, current... it's mad. On current form, he wouldn't be in the start of 11. Definitely a player that I'd have in the squad. I think other than that, we've upgraded in every single position, yeah. Which is, is, is great. And hopefully Lyon's out on loan. Hopefully he comes back and is, is, is better than ever. And he's then yeah. pushing for a position in the team. Um, McGratton and King were both subs not used that night. And they're now, <laughs> they're now not squad players. They're now very much part of the, the team that is available. They were, yeah. do you know what I mean? Whereas at that point in time, I think most Morton fans viewed them as, ah, they're doing all right, them young guys, I hope, I hope they do well. Whereas now they're very much options off the bench. 
Yeah. Uh, so it just shows you how, and that's less than a year. That was just after Christmas, that game, wasn't it? Yeah, 29th of December. So in in less than a, in 11 months, how much he's actually transformed or starting 11, which when you look at it that way, I think it's fantastic. That, uh, that That's that's a great start. Very well done. I just I thought about it. I, I thought it would have been two or three because I thought Stratton Blues would have probably started, but no, the midfield mm-hmm. three was Jacobs, Lyon and Oliver. Eyes Oliver and the kind of eight ten floating whatever kind, Oliver kind of what Crawford more does for us and Crawford's definitely yeah. an upgrade <laughs> yeah um, and Gillespie over Jacobs Gillespie has been as we said fantastic yeah. there's a reason he played so long in the Premier League yeah you can tell that it's just, it's the intensity that Crawford gives us see especially when we're, we're going and harrying teams and we're going and pressing teams his energy to go at times beyond Muirhead and go and just harry players and centre-backs at this level aren't comfortable with the ball. You're either, if you're a centre-back at this level, you are either comfortable on the ball or you're good defensively. You don't tend to have both or you wouldn't be at this level. Aye. And you then look at how good we are and it, it's probably the, the hallmark of this Emory side. There is not one team in this division who gets to play their football against us, who gets to play their style of football. That's, I still think that is the big, I think that is the big plus of this Emory side is Teams do not get to settle into their game and their rhythm against us. We are very, very good at stopping that from happening. And we've now got confident and capable players that can go and take advantage of that. I definitely. And there's not a team in the division, um, top, bottom, a- anywhere in the division that, that I fear playing home or away, which I think no. is probably the first time. And I'm not, not, not fe- fear is the wrong word, right? But there's not a team that I think, ah, we'll get beat there, or oh, I would take a nil-nil now. There's none of that now. Not a single nope. game in this division would I be like that at the start of the game in the pub. Oh, I'd take a nil-nil today. Whereas for years, absolute years, there's always been at least one or two teams in the league, even when the team we're talking about were, were not very good. Do you know what I mean? Like, so mm-hmm. last last season, away to Kilmarnock, any time we played Kilmarnock, you'd have been like, oh, I'd take a draw today. Oh, I'd definitely take a draw. Even though they actually weren't that great for champions, they weren't at all. Um, but this season... In terms of club size, Dundee or Partick are probably the kind of biggest clubs in the division. Neither the two of them would I fear in the slightest. Uh, when we play away to them, I'm like, no, we're going for three points. I don't want to draw. And that, it's a, a weird mentality shift that I, I don't remember in at least the last, I don't know, decade, that, that feeling in a modern team in the championship. I think probably the last time you felt like that was the kind of Alan Moore season, um, kind of twelve thirteen. Aye, that's, that's that's when I was thinking there. That is when I was thinking. But but even that season when we played Partick, I'd have been like, oh, take a draw, oh, take a draw. But last week, yeah. last week, or no, last week, sorry, two weeks, three weeks ago, whenever it was, when we played Air, I think it was that a fortnight ago when we played when we played at home Air, away away Air, away Air recently. Sorry, I, I, as much as that was a top of the table clash before the game, I was like, oh, we can win this today. We we, we turn up, we win. Um, although that might have not been the echo of all Morton fans, Morton fans might be like, oh, a draw keeps us in amongst it and whatever. I don't know, it's just, it might be just because the team are doing so well, but my mentality has shifted a wee bit in that we've got nobody to fear, and I think that, yep. but I think that a lot of teams fear us, which is great, and I think that in this cup draw on Monday night, if the first name out of the hat is Greenock Morton, then a lot of teams will be sitting there going, oh no, just don't make this us, don't make this us, because yeah. what, what, what will also go in our benefit is a lot of teams don't watch us, at higher yeah. level there's a lot of snobbery in Scottish football if they don't watch the championship for whatever reason but they'll be just looking at purely on form and just even the never mind watching as they would probably be even more fearful but just on the form alone even if you're just checking the actual black and white on paper teams will be going I don't want to get drawn at Capolo because that yeah. is, that's the tough tough tie on paper but 
It's good to be in the heart. It really is. Yeah, that was obviously that was the kind of next point that we wanted to go on to. I think you're absolutely spot on. I think every single Premiership club will want to avoid us. I don't think there's any. There's no doubt in my mind that that there will be teams that are sitting going no, not open. Because you look at yesterday was a potential banana skin for us in terms of a team the league below us. But still, you know, still quite a reputable side, still a full-time side. One of those games where, no, we have to make sure that we give this our full attention. I think there will be a lot of Premiership sides that view us in the exact same way. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. Who who would you prefer out of the, out of the teams that are left? Uh, it's any cup draw, I want the easiest possible tie at home, right? Because yeah. um, a lot of Mont fans can't get to away games. I have the luxury of going to every game I can go to, right? I go to every game home and away. And life, the way I, I like living life, I'd rather leave the house at quarter past two to go to Capital. So I would <laughs> rather a home tie than have to travel to wherever else and as low a team as possible that we can play as well and get, get through. But if it's got to be a team above us, if it's got to be a kind of bigger tie, then you obviously want St Mern. St Mern at home or St Mern away. St Mern at a neutral venue. St Mern somewhere in Basra. <laughs> anywhere that we're playing St Mern, I would... I would be happy with. Uh, so I would love. I would love us to draw them. Uh, but again, you're looking at it as kind of one of them ones. I, I, I was speaking to my brother in the car yesterday, and I said, surely part of you, but thinks that getting Rangers or Celtic away is a good draw because going into the January window, you know you've got X amount more that you can spend, which might help you in the league. Do you get what I mean? There's there's a, there's benefits of other draws, although if you get a Rangers or Celtic home you might be thinking that fear at oh, I would be delighted with a draw as I was saying like that but that might then get they might be but the board might be able to say the man's actually you can sign another player or another two players whatever because we're guaranteed I don't know yeah. much, much would you make it would it would be tens of thousands at least off of one of them uh, so you'd be able to sign another player in the season whatever whereas if you're away to I don't know some other Premier League team that have got a crappy uh, attendance you might not be thinking you're going through and you might not be able to actually say oh that money can definitely go into the budget so it's, it's, a, it's a tough one but I, to me any, anybody at home because that's another step closer to closer to Hamden yeah I get what you mean I'm obviously the, the flip side of it I want the lowest possible team away from home um, I, you're gutted that Wick Academy get put out aren't you Oh, I am praying. Obviously, it'd be funny because it's Falkirk, but I am absolutely praying that Falkirk have fielded an, an eligible player or something. Just, yeah, I won't wick away. Maybe not yesterday. I'm quite glad that we didn't get them yesterday because it was a train re- It was a, a train replacement from Inverness up to Wick, which sounds eye-bleedingly torturous. But, yeah, give me a team away from home, I think. I would quite fancy Linlithgow. Um, looks like a decent ground It's somewhere that I've not been yet Yeah I think give me Linlithgow But I get I get the logic In wanting Celtic or Rangers away I think it was quite well publicised In 13-14 That for all It was an absolutely dross signing and But we signed Nacho Novo On the back of The money we got from The the tie up at Celtic Park. Now I'm trying to find the attendance that night, but I think it was something like sixteen or eighteen thousand. It wasn't. It wasn't a great Celtic crowd. It was obviously sandwiched in between. I think group stage Champions League uh, matches with what Barcelona and AC Milan was that the year that they got? It might. It might. They who did they play in thirteen fourteen? No, Barcelona. They played the year before. Uh, I don't know who put them out that year but what is a bit different now from then and I think it was in place partially but both Celtic Rangers now have uh, what I would be delighted for us to have is, is like a kind of it's, I think it's called the cup credit scheme or something right yeah. so 
my wife is a season ticket holder at Parkhead and her ticket for a home cup game just comes off as a direct debit because she's part of this scheme. And if you're not part of that scheme, then you have a much, much less chance of getting a ticket should they get to a semi-final or final. So the majority of season ticket holders at these two clubs now are on these schemes. So even if there is two man and a dog at Parkhead when we play there, there would be 30,000 tickets sold off the bat, for example. So you are talking about a good amount of money if you play one of the two of them guaranteed because of these cup schemes, uh, which is which would go to our favour if we're getting 50% of it or, or whoever it works, 50% after costs, or I don't really know how it, the actual maths of it works, but I am, I'm just looking at the teams that went through. 60, I, I think it's 60-40 to the home club. Is and it? Then I, think, I think it's just 60. It used to be 50-50 after cost. I think it became complicated with clubs trying to fudge numbers. And, fudge costs. Yeah, whereas yeah. now I think it's 60-40 to the home club and that's just, that's it. And the home club have to pay their, their costs out of that 60. Right. I'm just looking at the teams. There's not a, I know Wick Academy, as I said, get put, but there's not a far away team that we've never been to before left in it and by far away I mean no. by far away I mean you need to have more than two toilet really? stops uh, <laughs> there's there's no like, you, you've got Elgin Inverness places that Elgin. Well, Elgin away I'd be fine with see to be fair I, I've only ever been to Elgin when I was like 12-ish that season we won the league like I, I was about 12 yeah, 11 that's 12, the only time I've been that's the only <laughs> time I've been so I don't actually remember being at Elgin Um I would I would settle for anybody at home, as I said. Um, or or if it's an away game, yeah, some someday we eat and if we've got to go somewhere I've never been before, then so be it. Stirling University, where do they play? They play at Stirling Albion's ground. So Ah, so it's not even fussed about that. Do you know what I mean? Let's just No, that's not uh, a like if we were going to play Stirling Uni. Yeah. If if we're going to play Stirling Uni Capolo, yeah, that's fine. Aye. Um I go to fourth bank, it's not a particularly appetising away day and there's not much in the way of pubs like the, the walk from the city centre out to the stadium is a bit of a, a pain in the arse so aye not one that I'm desperate for but again it's we should be and if or if see if we've got to get an away game right I think the away game I would like is Clyde because oh. if they play what they did yesterday and that Hamilton's game gets slightly brought forward and Clyde played at 7.45 on a Saturday night that, that could be a, that could be a good wee uh, just a good wee change playing on a Saturday night that could be something different so I think I, I pick them as their way game then alright so we're yeah 47 minutes into this and we've not previewed next week yet how would you line up for this one um, same as I said earlier I've got 10 names on my team sheet and couldn't argue either way for the other one but I think McGrattan has again same as what Cabby had done last week had the better game and edged his cell back in I think McGrattan maybe edges his cell in uh, and that, but you could argue as well has King came on and played that well that neither the two of them get that last place and it's actually King's turn to get it this time uh, that could be the change but I, I think it might be McGrattan same setup as what we've had 4-3-3 three, three and McGrattan and Katongo kind of wide off of Muirhead that's probably what I would go with particularly yeah. because McGrattan can sit in in the midfield and it can be changed in the game depending on what we are both are playing yeah no, I think that's what one. And yeah, I think the difference that the difference so, yeah. in the side and the difference in performance between when McGrattan came on, yeah, it's got to be McGrattan for me. It's it's McGrattan every day of the week for me. I think King misses out, but I would say to him, listen, if you come on, have another have another game like you've had, then absolutely no reason why you shouldn't be you shouldn't be in, in line for a start soon. It's just a case of keep doing well off the bench. And hopefully, 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 you get your chance in the team when it comes. 
Tell you what, he will leave it there for another week. The yes, don't think Stephen's with us at the moment, so we'll just round this off. Um, thank you very much for, for coming on, Stephen, and we'll be back next week, hopefully after a positive result up at Abroth. Christmas cheer is to sing Tale of the Bank Credit Union for all of Inverclyde to hear. Whether you want to finish that Christmas shopping early before the big man arrives, make sure your car is winter ready for that Christmas drive home, or start saving towards next year, Tale of the Bank Credit Union has you covered with loan rates that continue to remain at the same low level. Shout it loud for all to hear, Tale of the Bank Credit Union is here for you. Contact the Credit Union via their website, creditunioninverclyde.com, on social media or via phone on 01475 734655 and find out how the Tale of the Bank Credit Union can be your Christmas miracle. Well, that's the show, folks. Remember to check out themortonforum.com for the latest Morton news, discussion and articles featuring the excellent match photography of GBR photographs. Make sure you subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts and we'd love to hear your feedback or questions on any of our social platforms at the Morton Forum. Give me God,